Children's ministry, we, um, we run that through first grade. You're more than welcome to take your children back there now. And for those of you whose children are staying in the service, we, we love having kids in the service with us. Um, and so they are most welcome here if they get a little fussy. And just by way of reminder, dad's a great way to serve mom is just you know, take them in the lobby for a few minutes, get them settled down, and then bring them back in. But your kids are most welcome in the service with us, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that toward the latter part of my sermon this morning. We have been um, reading through our confession um, as a church just week by week, and uh, our confession is uh, the London Baptist Confession of Faith, known uh, sometimes as the 1689 or the 1677, and, and this morning, uh, in God's providence, we, we are reading paragraph one of chapter 12, which I think works so well with um, the uh, subject of hospitality that we're go- going to consider together, contemplate together. But paragraph one, it says this on, in chapter 12 of our confession. God has granted that all those who are justified would receive the grace of adoption in and for the sake of his only son, Jesus Christ. By this, they, meaning us, are counted among the children of God and enjoy the freedom and privileges of that relationship. They inherit his name, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, and are enabled to cry, Abba, Father. They are given compassion, and protected, and provided for, and chastened by him as a father. Yet they're never cast off, but are sealed for the day of redemption, and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. So, good news for us. Amen? Chapter 12, paragraph 1 of our confession. Wonderful biblical footnotes in there if you would like to just meditate on that or reflect on that. Um, I'd encourage you uh, to do that. But uh, this morning, uh, and, and, and perhaps a good way to work through the sermon with me this morning is just have your Bibles and be ready to turn pages. Uh, And so I'm going to do more of a biblical survey, not going to camp out in any one particular passage, but we're concluding this morning uh, our short series that, that we have done over the course of the month of January. We've done this now for a couple of years, um, but we've called this series The State of the church. And, uh, and next week, Lord willing, we're going to dive back into the gospel of Mark. But I, I think that it's been helpful to address certain topics, certain issues uh, for us at Deer Park Fellowship over these last few weeks. This was a, um, a topical series that we uh, planned months ago, yet in God's providence, I've found them extremely relevant to where we are as a church body, and, and I've heard from some of you as it relates to that, as, as it relates to just the, the timeliness of some of the particular topics uh, that we've covered together, and I'm extremely grateful to God for that. And this morning, we're going to spend time considering why it's essential to practice Christian hospitality, why it's essential to practice Christian Hospitality, and, and notice three particular words that I just used. The first one 
is essential. In other words, as Christians, we are, you and I are, as Christians, we are obligated um, to show hospitality to one another. And the second word I used in that sentence is the word practice. In other words, hospitality should be ongoing in our lives. It's not a, a one-off sort of thing. And then another word that I used right, to, to to describe the type of hospitality we should be practicing is Christian, right? Our hospitality should be as unto the Lord and it should reflect the hospitality of God toward us in Christ Jesus. And, and this sermon has been in my heart for a, a long time. It's been in my heart for at least a year. It's, it's a need in our homes Right? It's a need in our church, in our local church. It's a need in uh, the broader society, in our culture. And, and so this morning, that's what we're going to consider together. And, and like I said a moment ago, this is, this is a biblical survey of Christian hospitality. So I, I'm not going to linger over any one particular passage, but I would encourage you, even if you're not able to turn to the passages that I'm uh, referencing as we go along to just kind of jot them down and, and perhaps when you get time, go back and read them and, and think about them and, and pray about them. Now, this is how I want to organize my sermon this morning. And, and you can see this in your notes. It, it looks a little different than how I, I typically kind of lay out my sermon, but I'm organizing it in three sections. Uh, and this is the the most approachable way that I could figure out how to communicate on this subject. And the three sections are this. The first section is questions. And the, the, question, the two questions that we're going to look at, why should we be hospitable? And I have four answers for that, and we could probably fill it out with more answers. The second question is, who should we show hospitality to? Which I'm going to give three answers. And then we'll move to section two. And the last two sections are much quicker than... I'm going to spend most of my time on section one this morning. But section two, we're going to address common obstacles, just uh, addressing common excuses that I personally hear for why uh, one would not practice uh, Christian hospitality. And then in section three, uh, we're just going to talk about practicing Christian hospitality. I'm going to tackle, tackle it from a, a corporate setting and then uh, an individual setting. And so, uh, but before we jump in, allow me to pray, and then we will uh, get into the sermon together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for just another opportunity to be together as your church. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's unchanging. Because you, the divine author, are unchanging. And Lord, we ask that you would humble us, God, make us receptive to your word by your spirit, God. And I pray that what we discuss doesn't stay theoretical, Lord, but that it genuinely would, that we would effort to apply it in our lives. Again, in your strength, by your spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so section one, the first question we're looking to address, why should we be hospitable? Why should we be hospitable? And, and here's the answer. The greatest act of hospitality ever extended is found in the gospel. Right, the greatest act 
of hospitality ever extended is found in the gospel. Now, just a couple of passages of scripture, a few passages of scripture, just to help us uh, think about this more clearly. First, Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 to 34. We see this. When a stranger, right? These are instructions given to Israel. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. And get this, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, certainly this has historical fulfillment that, that, that we can go back and look as it relates to just the surface meaning of the text, right? But if we're spiritualizing this, right, we should see um, that there is this command to treat the stranger a particular way because of how God has treated us who were strangers. Another, John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35 a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I've loved you that you also love one another. By this all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Right? Another passage, Romans chapter 15. We kind of did a bird's eye view of all of Romans 15 a, a few weeks ago. But verses 4 to 7, it says this. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And get this, verse 7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God, for the glory of God. And so using the, the language of the Leviticus passage, we were strangers. And that's, that's who we were. Again, if we spiritualize this, right, which I think is perfectly appropriate to do, right? We know, again, the Old Testament, there's some historical fulfillment, but it's preaching to us even, even something more significant, even something more grand. And so we were once strangers. That's, that's who we were. That's who you and I were, right? And, and we were strangers by our own doing, right? Adam disobeyed. The, the, the clear command of God and his disobedience became our disobedience. And, and since then, our own personal transgressions that we have committed, right, they, they only serve to demonstrate that we would have done the same exact thing if we were Adam in the garden. Right? We, we were strangers, yet God has welcomed us. Right? He's welcomed us. And he welcomed us, though we didn't deserve it, right? right? He welcomed us while we were still strangers, right? I think of the passage in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, right? God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ what? He died. He died for us. Right? This is the hospitality of God, right? We were sinners, yet God loved us, and he sent Christ to die for our sins, to receive a death penalty that you and I deserved, right? Christ was treated as the stranger, as the outcast in our place. And we were once strangers, but because of Christ, 
Yahweh is the Lord our God. So in response to that, right, we love, as John says, right? If we go back to that John passage, right, we love because the triune God first loved us. And as Paul says to the church in Rome, right, we welcome one another in the same way that Christ has welcomed us, to the glory of God, to the glory of God. And, and think about that for a moment. All right, scripture says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us to the glory of God. The scripture says, love the stranger as you love yourself and to remember that you were once a stranger. And the scripture also says to love as you have been loved. This means that a proper contemplation of who we are apart from Christ will lead us toward having a hospitable disposition toward others. Right? A, a, a proper contemplation of how God has welcomed you and how God has welcomed me will lead us toward welcoming other individuals, no matter who they are, for the glory of God. Let me put it negatively to help us understand better. If you find yourself not being hospitable, right? and I'm not talking about being hospitable with people that it's easy for you to be hospitable toward, Right, but if you find yourself not being hospitable toward the one that you think is unlovable, right, the one that you would rather avoid, then you have forgotten the hospitality of God toward you. You've forgotten the hospitality of God toward you. And this leads us to answer question two. Or it, it leads us to answer two, rather. Why be, uh, to, to the question, why be hospitable? Answer two is this, it's commanded by God. It's commanded by God. Right? So if the, the first answer, the foundational answer, is to remember the hospitality that God has exhibited toward us in Christ Jesus, that we would be welcome, that we would, as just we, we read a moment ago in the confession, that we would be adopted into the family of God. Right? That, again, is foundational. Answer number two, as it relates to why be hospitable, is simply because it's commanded by God. Right? It's commanded by God. And think about that. Right? The command is there for when you don't feel like being hospitable. Right? The command is there when you're tempted to not be hospitable toward a particular individual. Consider 1 Peter. Again, we read this at the confession of sin, but I'll you know, give it to you in a little bit of a broader context. Verses 7 to 9, right? Peter says, The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled. And sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, and above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, right? Or without complaining, or without murmuring about it, or without flaunting it, you know, to, because you're so miserable that you have to do it, you at least want people to notice how you're doing it, right? But show hospitality without grumbling. Right? When are we tempted to grumble or complain or mur murmur as it relates to hospitality? Right? We're, we're tempted to when perhaps it's a particular individual we don't want to show it toward. Maybe we're tired. There's different sorts of obstacles Spiritual resistance, I think, would even be a better way to think about it when we're seeking to practice Christian hospitality as unto the Lord. 
right? Expect resistance, right? Expect the temptation to grumble. Expect the temptation to be withholding. And remember that it's a command. Answer three as to why hospitality. It builds up the body of Christ. It builds up the body of Christ. Listen to this cluster of things the Apostle Paul mentions to the Roman church in chapter 12 of Romans. And remember that that. That chapter 12, it, it comes on the heels of, of the Apostle Paul um, reveling in the glories of the gospel, okay? Reminding the church of the gospel of God, reminding the church of the hospitality that God has demonstrated to them because of Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, here is how you live in light of that. Right? Again, it's not allowed to stay out in the ether, right? It's got to be applied. This is how you live in light of the glorious reality. So Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Hospitality is listed here with a a cluster of other things. Uh, And the Christians in Rome, they were commanded to do that because A, it would bring glory to God, and B, it would edify the church. And that cluster includes genuinely loving one another. It includes loathing what is evil. It includes clinging to that which is good and exhibiting brotherly affection toward each other. Right? It includes honoring each other, esteeming each other as greater than yourself, not esteeming yourself as better than someone else. It includes being zealous for the Lord. It includes being motivated in serving the Lord. It includes rejoicing in hope. It includes being patient in trying in difficult seasons. It includes being prayerful, consistently prayerful. Includes contributing to the needs of the saints and seeking to show hospitality. That's just five verses in Romans chapter 12. It's just five verses. But everything about this list is mutually edifying to the church. We should seek to edify one another. And, and, And hospitality is an aspect of that edification. In fact, I would argue that generally speaking, you can't do any of the things that are listed in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 13 in any sort of persevering way apart from cultivating a hospitable disposition. So the edification of the body and hospitality, they're closely related with one another. A part of hospitality is also sharing in what you have. It's also sharing what you have. Consider the preacher to the Hebrews. And remember especially the, 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 the persecution that the Hebraic church was facing, right? Think, remember as well the economic hardships that the Hebraic church was facing, right? We considered that a little bit last week. But we see Hebrews 13 verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. They're pleasing to God. Right? When you share with your church family, 
this is pleasing to God. And, and what do we share? We share what we have. Right? We share what we have. We share according to the means that God has given us. And, and that's different for all of us. Right? It's different for all of us. It's not a, a, a one-size-fits-all sort of approach. However, all of us are required to do good to one another. Right? All of us are required to do good to one another. All of us are required to share what we have. Perhaps that's feeding a family in the church. Right? Perhaps that's the sharing of time that you would give to counsel or care for another member in the church. Right? There's liberty here as, as, as it relates to what the sharing actually is, but hospitality always includes the sharing of what we have. Hospitality is always a sacrifice. Always a sacrifice. As the author of Hebrews says, it's a sacrifice pleasing to God. Here's my last answer as it relates to the question, why hospitality? And perhaps you're able to come up with, with more answers than what I'm giving you this morning. But the last answer is this. It has an evangelistic quality to it. It has an evangelistic quality to it. Now, we, we live in a very inhospitable culture. I even think about the last few years. Right? Think, think, think about COVID in the last few years. Hospitality went right out of the window. Nobody was concerned about hospitality over the last several years, which is interesting to me considering how our brothers and sisters throughout church history gathered and supported one another amidst much more difficult circumstances than what we've faced over the last few years. They faced that even being together, even meeting together might have cost them their lives. Think of how polarized our society is presently. Where's the hospitality? Right, where's the hospitality? Right. Whoever thought that Christian hospitality could be so countercultural? Right, whoever, whoever thought that? Right, whoever thought that Christian hospitality could produce so much light? Yet God's words told us this. I read this a moment ago, but it bears repeating. John 13, verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you that you also love one another. And get this, by this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another, right? all will know. In other words, those who are on the outside, right? those who aren't Christ's disciples, right? they will know that we belong to Christ. They will know that we follow Christ by how we love each other. That's powerful. Let me give you a very practical example. Think of how our society cancels people. Right? It happens all the time, doesn't it? Right? There's a mass shunning that we often see take place in broader culture. There's no forgiveness. There's no redemption for those that have been canceled. But that shouldn't be the case in the church. That shouldn't be the case in the church. Forgiveness and restoration is found for those who are walking in repentance and faith. Forgiveness and restoration is found for those that are walking in the light. In the church, us, we're to be the mouthpiece of God to any repentant sinner. 
We're to be the mouthpiece of God to any repentant sinner, no matter the sin. When we look at a brother or a sister, and, 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 and we should have God's words in our mouth when we say something along the lines of, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Psalm 103, 11 to 13. In a hospitable church, there's no cancel culture for those who walk in repentance. There's no cancel culture for those who walk in the light. This is an aspect of Christian hospitality, and it's a powerful evangelistic tool, a powerful one. And this leads us to the second question. Who should we show hospitality? Who should we be hospitable towards? First answer is this. Prioritize those in our own household first. We need to prioritize those in our own household first. Now, this doesn't mean that we're off the hook as it relates to showing hospitality to those that are outside of our household, but it does mean that there's an ordering. You, you need to demonstrate the, the, the type of hospitality to your spouse and to your children that has a, a, um, a, a gospel aroma to it. In other words, is, is, is free grace the tone and tenor of your home? Right? Is, is, is that the culture that's cultivated in your home. Now, now, what are some questions that we can ask to help us determine if we're living hospitable lives toward the members of our household? And this is by no means exhaustive. But here's some questions. Are you living at peace with the members of your household so far as it depends on you? Right? Are you? Not, not is your, not it, are the other members of your household living peacefully with you, but are you living peacefully with them? Right? Take personal responsibility there. Are those in your home walking on eggshells around you? Are you bitter and unforgiving toward your spouse? Are you harsh? Are you a harsh person? Husbands and wives, are are you affectionate toward one another and moving in the same direction as one flesh, or are you often at odds with one another, bickering, arguing, taking different positions constantly? For those of us with children, practically speaking, do, do your children feel secure? Do your children feel loved and seen and valued? Are they well taken care of? Are they well fed? Quote, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 7 to 8. So that's the first answer. Second answer those who are a part of the church family, as it relates to who should we be hospitable toward, those who are a part of our church fa- family, especially those you're tempted to avoid. Those who are a part of our church family, especially toward those you're tempted to avoid. Again, it can be easy to show hospitality toward the ones that you want to be around. Right? And, and that's not a bad thing. You should certainly cultivate a posture of hospitality uh, and, and, and practically apply what that looks like to the people that you're endeared toward. But again... The command to be hospitable, and hear me well, the command to be hospitable is there for when we don't feel like it. And that includes 
when we're showing, when we're committing the sin of partiality, right? The Bible speaks clear about the sin of partiality. James chapter two, verses one to four. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Think of the, 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 the poor man in shabby clothes, not, not just the literal poor man, but rather spiritualize the image, right? Think of the person that you may be tempted to despise in the assembly. If you reject having a hospitable, welcome, welcoming posture toward that individual, you are committing the sin of partiality. You're making distinctions among yourselves. You've become judges with evil thoughts, according to to the logic of James under the inspiration of the Spirit. Now, this doesn't mean that everybody in the church is equally close. That doesn't mean that you're going to get to know everyone in the church or have everyone over for a meal that's a part of the church. That's not what I'm saying. But it does mean that you're to reject the sin of partiality in your heart toward particular individuals in the church and to not withhold hospitality from them because you're intentionally avoiding them. Answer three. We show hospitality to those who are outside of our church family for the glory of God and to do them spiritual good. Right? We show hospitality toward those outside the church for the glory of God and to do them spiritual good. Coming back to the Leviticus passage I read to you a moment ago, right? when a stranger sojourns in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall... Love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Right? We should be welcoming to those that are outside of our church family. And, and, and I don't want you to think globally. Don't think globally about what I'm saying. I don't want you to think about all the people in the world that you don't know, right? that you'll probably never meet. Think in ways that that help you to put yourself in a position to actually apply what I'm talking about. Right? Think about your neighborhood. Think about those within walking distance of your home. People you see every week when you take the trash out, or that when you see when you come home from work, or when your kids play outside. Right? Be warm toward them. Be hospitable toward them and, and do so ultimately to do them spiritual good, right? Sharing a meal is nourishing to the body and is good and is something that, that we should certainly aim for as we contemplate this thing called hospitality, but administering Christ in his sufficient gospel, right? It nourishes the soul, it nourishes the soul. Section two, objections. These are common excuses that, that people give for not practicing hospitality, and, and I'm just going to limit it to three. First is the past sins of another individual. All right, perhaps we know the past sins of an individual who's now repented and reconciled to God, yet we avoid that person. All right? Out of, for various reasons, but we have to be careful that we're not committing the sin of partiality. All right? The congregation of Corinth, it was made up of, a, of quite the diverse list of sinners, fornicators, 
idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, coveters, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, and and more. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. Yet Paul calls them washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul tells them elsewhere, and it's not good enough to just say, well, that's good for them. They found forgiveness. No, Paul doesn't allow for that. He tells them elsewhere, elsewhere to be joined together in the same mind and judgment and to not have divisions in the church. And that all sounds night, neat and tidy when we keep it again in the theoretical. When we aren't the ones that are inconvenienced by people's past stories. When we aren't the ones that are inconvenienced by people's past sins. But what when it hits close to home? How do you welcome a brother or sister in Christ with a past different from yours? Another objection is pers- personality conflicts. Right? You, you just don't get along. Right? Or, or you have differences of opinions about things, and, and you allow those differences to prohibit fellowship. And again, I'm just speaking about us here. Right? When, you, when you're allowing that to happen, you're missing something. Right? You, you have the most intimate thing that you can have in common with another person, which is Christ. Christ is the one that's brought us all here, right? right? Christ is the one that brought us here. So we have to show hospitality based on our union our shared union with Christ Jesus and and make accommodations for the brother or the sister who has differences in opinions, right? If you can't do that, frankly, you're you're putting more weight on your preferences or on your personality as a test of fellowship than you are Christ. If love covers a multitude of sins, right? 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 8, then certainly love can cover a multitude of quirks or personality differences or differences of opinions. Another one that I get at times is, you know, home is too small or the home is a mess or I don't have enough utensils or dishes or we're on a budget or it's an inconvenient time. I've clustered those all together to not have like a hundred things to give. And, and, and this, of course, is related to having people over to your home. And, and as I hope it's clear, this isn't the only way to be Hospitable. There are different ways to be hospitable, but I've often heard this as a as a uh, a reason to excuse an inhospitable spirit. Right. Well, the charges that we've examined, the different passages that we've looked at together this morning, they're get, they were given to people that were facing great loss, right? Financial and economic loss. They were ostracized from their communities. Their lives were threatened. Yet hospitality was a command. It was a command, obedience to the word of God. It's not dictated by our circumstances, right? Circumstances change, but the commands that of God, they're unchanging because they're grounded in the unchanging character of God. So we have to respond in obedience, and we, we do so with stewards. We do so wisely, not recklessly, not overcorrecting and saying, hey, let me empty out my bank account on this, you know? You know ask the question, what does hospitality, what does Christian hospitality look like in the stage of life that I'm in? What does Christian hospitality look like in the stage of life that my family is in? All right, when you begin to ask the question that way, you don't let yourself off the hook for being hospitable, and you, you, uh, you, you, you're thinking as well about stewardship, being a good steward of what you have. What does it look like to do good? What does it look like to do good as a sacrifice as unto the Lord, as the preacher to the Hebrews puts it. 
Final section is this, practicing Christian hospitality. Okay, I, I want to end this morning by just equipping us in, in different ways. And, and I want to give some, some concrete suggestions and, and just, you know, to, to be clear, and I said this a moment ago, there's, again, there's no one way to be hospitable toward other people. We're commanded by God to be hospitable, but, but there are different applications here. And, and I just want to mention a few ways, and I broke them down, as I told you earlier, into two categories. The first category is corporate hospitality. We are a corporate people. Uh, and the second category is individual hospitality. And so a few things as it relates to corporate hospitality. The first is this, welcome children. Welcome children, as we're thinking corporately, right? Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. We're not a programmatic church here at Deer Park Fellowship, and that's not because we're small and eventually we're going to grow and get a lot of programs going. We're strategically non-programmatic. And one of the reasons that's the case is because we value multi-generational worship. We value multi-generational worship. We love families worshiping together. We love that children in this church are able to see how mom and dad uh, worship the Lord. And for a few uh, really blessed families here, how mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and some great-grandparents, they get to see how you all worship the Lord. That's precious, right? But get this, a byproduct of valuing that valuing multi-generational worship, a byproduct of that is noise. It's noise, right? And sometimes I, I hear from some of you, and you're like, man, how did you preach through that loud noise? And I'm like, my house is loud. It's just, I write sermons in, in a context that's really loud at times. The, uh, but children are noisy, right? Children, they wiggle, and we shouldn't have unrealistic expectations for children to sit still and, and be quiet. And it's hot in here right now, isn't it? I see you all fanning out here. We shouldn't have all these unrealistic expectations that our children are, are able to, to sit without wiggling and, and be absolutely quiet for a little bit under two hours, right? And for, for those of you that are grandparents or those of you that, that may not have children yet, right, a, a tangible way that you can be hospitable is by cultivating a, a welcoming disposition toward the presence of children in our gathering, right? We don't want to hinder children from coming. So smile at the mother or the father that is struggling with their child this morning, right? Speak to them in an affirming way before the service or after the service. Smile at the kids, in the service. And if you're ever tempted to grumble or complain, fight that by praying to God and thanking him that there are children in this church hearing the gospel every single Lord's day. So be hospitable. Right? Another way that we're hospitable is by being considerate of one another. Now, for those of us with children, myself included, right? We have to be mindful not to let our children scream for long in the service so that other people can hear God's word preached. That's also a form of hospitality. So being mindful of, of, of when the, the, you're, you're crossing the threshold between being wiggly and having some noise to screaming is, is important. And maybe taking your child out and then bringing them back in, you know, that, that may be a part of your liturgy for a season, and I know that you, you, you can begin to be tempted to think, I'm just not getting anything out of the service, but let me encourage you, keep coming, 
Keep coming. Stay faithful. The Lord is, is growing you. The Lord is sanctifying you. And I promise that it's a short season. It's a short season, right? Also, your children, they're learning the rhythms of worship and they're learning from your persistence to not get discouraged, right? To, to not let their behavior dictate whether you're gathering with God's church, right? May the, 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 um, the, the understanding be on the Lord's day, we gather with God's church no matter what, that will do more for your children, right? We get concerned. Are they getting things? Are they learning things as they're sitting in here? And I've told you this jokingly many times. Many of us aren't getting a lot of the things that we're talking about here when we gather, right? But they're getting the rhythm. They're getting the priority. The holy. They're hearing the word of God. Seeds are being planted. And we can trust the sovereign spirit that in due time, that will blossom. That will blossom. So don't give up. And dad's a word of encouragement. Help mom, right? Serve her by taking a little one out that gets a little fussy so that she can hear the word of God preached. And for those in the lobby, ensuring that you're not distracting others in the lobby for various reasons during the, the corporate worship service so that when they're out there, they have an opportunity to still engage and try to pay attention, right? That's a form of hospitality, just being considerate of one another. We could fill this list up with all sorts of things, but I'm trying to help us as Deer Park see things, some clear applications as it relates to being hospitable toward one another. Another way of uh, practice hospitality corporately, welcome visitors, right? There are many of, many of you in here that, that you have a great eye for newcomers, Right, but, but keeping an eye for the new person, introducing yourself to them, making yourself available to them to answer questions or introducing them to other people in the church or inviting them over uh, for a meal. Right? These are tangible ways to welcome newcomers to Deer Park Fellowship that are looking to grow in Christ Jesus. We should always have eyes for those that are new amongst us. Another way, linger before and after the service. Linger before and after the service. Right? I, I've long thought that a lingering church is a healthy sign. That's a healthy sign when, when people at the church linger. And that's such a simple way to help foster hospitality in the church. Come at 10 a.m. Stay until 1 p.m. You can really get to know people well. You can help make plans to get together uh, outside of our corporate gathering. So, you know, perhaps build it into your time not to run out right after the service concludes, but linger and talk to people, get to know one another. Again, that's a very practical way to get involved. And then the last one I wrote down are meal trains. We're constantly doing meal trains here. Babies are being born all the time in this church, and, uh, and, and which is an amazing thing. But there's also people that, that have surgeries or, uh, or that it, it are experiencing loss or weaknesses of various kinds, and, and a meal could really help them out. And we send out um, meal trains pretty regularly. If you're not on that, please get on that. Reach out right on the connect card. I want to be on the meal train so that you know when there's a need, we're going to send it out, you're going to get it, and you're going to help fill that need. That is a really warm, hospitable thing to do for people in our corporate setting. Now, last thing, individual hospitality. How can we be hospitable individually? Pray for one another. Members, you can use the list that I gave you a few weeks back. Pray for other individuals on the list. There's individuals that are on the back. There's a prayer guide here on the back that you can be praying with, right? 
Reach out to them. Ask them how, specifically, how, how you can be praying for them specifically. It's a very hospitable thing to do. And, and perhaps there are those of you that are sitting here, and when I was in section two, the kind of common objections, maybe there was one that came to your mind that I didn't address, and, and that related to what if I have a disability, or what if I have an autoimmune thing that's going on, and it prevents me from doing something hospitable like having people over. Right? The, the only reason that I didn't give that is because it's not one that I hear all the time. It's not a common objection. That's usually the exception. But if you have a disability or if you have an autoimmune disorder that prohibits you from practicing hospitality in the way that you would like to practice hospitality, you can still be hospitable. Hopefully you've seen that this morning already. But here's some encouragement. Call people in the church. Write people in the church cards. Pray for people, right? These are all things that you can do that are hospitable. And then the second thing, just as it relates to us as individuals that I want to leave on is schedule time together. Actually schedule time together that's outside of even the gathering, right? Set aside one or two Sundays a month to have a family over for lunch or dessert, right? Schedule it when you're lingering before or after the service. Set aside an, an evening a month to have a family from the church, over or, or a family from your neighborhood over. You can set aside a, an evening or two a month to get together with, with men if you're a man, women if you're women, for prayer and for accountability. If you maximized that, if you took advantage of that, this, this kind of stuff isn't as insurmountable as we often think it is, right? We get paralyzed way too easy. But if you maximize that, you could end up having four to five different times a month, intentional times a month where, where you're practicing Christian hospitality. And it's essential that we practice Christian hospitality. Essential because as Christians, we're obligated by God to show it to one another. All right. Practice because it should be ongoing in our lives. And Christian, meaning that we do it as unto the Lord, reflecting the hospitality that God has showed us, showed you and me through Christ Jesus. So be hospitable. That's the charge for us this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you again for the opportunity to reflect on Christian hospitality, and God, we ask that you would help us to apply that in the various ways, God, that we need to as a church corporately and as individuals. And we know that we need your spirit to do even that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.